God has done for you, what God wants to do to you, and where God want to take you, where God wants to take you to, is because of the blood, because of His grace. Well, I enjoyed that. I hope you did too. Mark chapter eight is where we'll find our text this morning. Mark chapter eight, and. Uh, See what God has for us in His Word this morning. We, um, I took my family to uh, a salute to America the other night at uh, the Greenfield Village, and it, it was really cool. And uh, when we got there, it's like uh, Katie bar the door race from the gates, and we were number two in the gates. And I, I saw this little lady in a, a, a electric scooter, and she's running up on the curb, running people over, about flipped herself. I mean, it was. It was crazy. 
We got back there and we, we got a spot and you got to get yourself an area. So we had a blanket, we spread out a blanket. We had chairs, we had six chairs, uh, two, you know, two, one for each of us. And we spread those out and uh, marked off our territory. We had a wagon, marked it off. I pulled out a no trespassing sign and Sherry told me to put it up. <laughs> and uh, uh, the dog doesn't bite, but the owner does. You know, it just, we marked off that territory and that belonged to us. That, that, was, that was our space. Don't step on my blanket, don't eat my chips, you know, that kind of thing. That was our personal space. We wanted it for us. We didn't want nobody trespassing. And, and, and I'm, you know, I lived in London for two years, and I was telling the young people in, in our classroom this morning that you ride on the, the tube over there, that's what they call the subway, and, and you're like this. And then you get Mr. I'm all natural, so he's standing like this next to you, and your face is like this, and he smells beautiful, and you get out, and you're just trying not to breathe, and you're, you're, you're just like this, and then you're walking down uh, the street at Christmas time, and I was telling him, you know, one side of the street goes this way, the other side of the street goes that way, and you're just walking like this, and if you want to get to a store over there, you got to go past it, cross over, and then come back and then try to work your way over, you know, you're like, it's crazy. You're shoulder to shoulder, and I don't like that. All right, I live about as close to people now as I want to, uh, or I could, because, I, you know, these houses that I couldn't drive a car between, that, that makes me, it, it, I, I get claustrophobic. We lived in an apartment for a little while when we first got married, and, and it was horrible, it was horrible. I mean, my idea is if I can see you, we're too close, uh, you know, and so I like my personal space. And I want to read a, a, a story here in Mark chapter 8 and verse number 22. And this is about Jesus healing a man. It says in Mark chapter 8 and verse number 22, he tells us, it says, He came to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes... And put his hands upon him. He asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town nor tell it to any in the town. And I want to share a few thoughts with this morning. Let God get in your bubble. We all have this bubble around us. And, and when, when I'm, I'm over here now, I'm inside Brother Gene's bubble right now. We're knee to knee. But in order for this man to get what God had for him, he had to let Jesus all up in his space. And in order for you to get what God has for you this morning, you're going to have to let Jesus all up in your space. You're going to have to let him get inside that bubble with you and be okay with it. I mean, there are certain people that we'll allow inside our personal space. Our, you know, we, we'll let uh, maybe our wife or our loved ones or our clothes. You know, I have a lot of nieces and nephews. And when we're together for vacation or Christmas, whatever, I invade their personal space. I want to be the cool uncle. It hasn't happened yet. I had a cool uncle, and I want to be like him. And so I'll, and I'll, try, to, I'll try to hold their hand, and they'll pull away. 
I'll try to pick them up and they'll, they'll go limp and try to fall. I mean, they, they don't want to be near me. But you know what? My kids, want to, they want to be right up as close as they can. Why? There's a difference in relationship. I went home uh, yesterday afternoon just for supper. And I went and I, I, I threw myself down on my bed. And uh, I thought this would be a good place to relax for a minute and cool down. And no sooner, I mean, I was hot. It was hot, right? It was like 900 degrees outside yesterday. I throw myself down, and no sooner I did that, I have one boy on one side and one on the other, and they're hot. Now, I'm twice as hot, and I said, get off me. (laughs) They are in my space. I want a little space to breathe. How often do we tell Jesus, get out of my space? I want to breathe on my own. And so I want to look at a few things here this morning by, by way of application in our lives. We need, to let, we need to let Him get in our space. I, I mean, if we had a church that allowed God to get all up in their space, imagine what we could do for God. But so often we try, like, like me at the, 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 the Salute to America, I'm, I'm staking off my area and saying, don't come in here. It belongs to me. Now you think about this man. Well, what's really neat about this, this passage here, and we're, we're going to pray, and, uh, and I'll get into the message, but uh, it, it's just a, a cool story that God saw fit to one time in the Scriptures give to us. It's the only time it's recorded is in the book of Mark. So let's pray, and we'll get into our message. Father, we thank you so much for your word, and Lord, just pray that you be with us. And Lord, as, as Brad prayed this morning for me, Lord, I pray that you would give me the words to speak. Lord, I pray you... Lord, allow your message to come forth as, as you would see fit, and we'll thank you for that. I pray there be a blessing and a help to those that hear. In Jesus' name, amen. And so what we have here is uh, the, the, first, the first thing I see is it says, and he cometh to Bethsaida. So God came somewhere on purpose. The Bible tells us over in Revelation, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. And that is a picture of Jesus Christ, not knocking necessarily on the door of the lost, but knocking on the door of the heart of the saved, saying, let me in. He's there on purpose, knocking at the door of your heart this morning, saying, let me in. I got something I want to do. And so we see here, it says, and he cometh to Bethsaida. He came just like he went by. He said, I must needs go to Samaria. Why? To visit a woman at the well. He said, I need to go there. I have to go there. He came here for a purpose. Jesus never gets up in your space without having a purpose. And I think that's why we push him away so often is we know he wants to do something in our lives and we don't want it. We want to push him away and say, not today. Can we wait till next week? I got plans this summer that I want to accomplish. So, Lord, if you could get back with me around October... We could, get on, we, we could get to it then. We, we laugh because it seems facetious. You like that word facetious? I like that. I don't know how to spell it. But it sounds good. It sounds like I know what I'm talking about. But that's what we do. We will sit there and say, not today. Not, not today. M- maybe next week, God. Just, just let me have my space right now. And so he came to Bethsaida 
on purpose. And, and then what we see next, I, I really like, because I think this is part of all of our, our lives. It says in verse number 22, it says, And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him. What I see here is an assisted faith. There were some family and friends that loved this man enough to bring him to Jesus. He was blind. He was blind. Think back in your life when you were blind spiritually and you had a, a, a dad or a grandpa or a grandma or a, a, a friend or maybe just somebody passing by your door that left you a track that brought you to Jesus. He came there on purpose and then they brought him there on purpose. Think of that. These family, these friends that brought him to the Son of God. Why? Because they knew that he needed something that only Jesus could do. Why? Because they'd seen him do it in other people's lives. Have we seen Jesus Christ do something in other people's lives as one that would make us want to bring somebody else to him? Did he not save us? We just, we just heard the lady sing about the beauty of the blood. And we amen, and it, it gets us emotional. But think about the beauty of the blood and what God did in our lives. What we were before, we ain't no more. Why? Because somebody saw fit to bring us. You know, I, I think back in, in, in my dad's life that there was a sixth grade Sunday school teacher named Dallas McLaurin. And he saw fit to visit my dad and visit my dad and visit my dad because he wouldn't come to Sunday school. Now, my dad's dad, my grandfather, was a heavy drinker. He was a drunk. Wasn't saved. Didn't want to have anything to do with church. My grandma was a, a saved woman, but didn't come to church. And so my dad would come on the bus. And he would be brought to church. And he had this Sunday school teacher that loved him and kept after him. He brought my dad and was instrumental in bringing my dad to Christ. And because of that, I grew up in a Christian home. Why? Because somebody saw fit to bring somebody else and assist their faith. And then we, we, we see here that this man, he, he gets brought to Christ. And we were talking a lot in, um, in Sunday school this morning with, with the college age about our choices that we can make. And I told him, I said, when you have kids, the, the downside to having children is they get old and start asking hard questions that you have difficulty in answering. And uh, Silas come to me the other day. And I was sitting there in my chair, and, and he comes up, and uh, he goes, uh, Daddy? I said, yes, my son, because that, that's how I answer my kids. 
And he goes, Father. <laughs> he goes, why did God allow Eve to sin? So that's a very good question. You know, Pastor Brown's out of town. <laughs> but he'll be back shortly. And when he gets back at his office, you run up there and ask him that. I said, and so then I had a conversation with an eight-year-old about soul liberty. Isn't that fun? And you know what his answer was at the end of that conversation? But why? I said, well, son, these are things, as the older you get, you'll, you'll begin to understand more. But trust daddy that I'm telling you the truth. Now, this man here, he was brought by his family and friends. But what did he have to do? He had to trust them, that they were doing what was right for him. He had to trust Christ. I mean, what does it say there? It says, you know, in almost every other passage of Scripture, when Christ healed somebody, he touched them and they were healed. I mean, he touched blind people and their sight came back. He touched the lepers and their leprosy was gone. He touched the lame and they were able to walk. He touched the dead and they lived. And yet, for some reason in this passage, it says in verse number 23, I mean, the people wanted him to touch him. They knew that all it needed was a touch. But what did Jesus do? It says he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. Well, isn't that interesting? He, he didn't just touch him and heal him. What I see here is the faith of this fellow in following Jesus. I mean, Christ comes and he takes him by the hand. And I don't know if that blind man, as soon as he felt that hand, thought, I'm about to get my sight. The people around thought as soon as he touches him, he'll, he'll have his sight. But he didn't. You know, not every time that Jesus wants to get up in our space does it mean it's going to be an immediate something happen. Sometimes it takes time. There have been, you know, I remember back around 2001, August 1st of 2001, is when God uh, got a hold of my heart and called me to preach. And it's very vivid in my memory. I remember that to this day. I remember uh, the, the surroundings. I was at camp, and I, I remember God just, just put, and I, and I remember fighting. I did not want to be in the ministry at all. I, I wanted to be a state trooper and write Yankees tickets as they went south to Disneyland on vacation. I mean, I'm being honest this morning. I had never even heard of Michigan before God called me to preach. And yet, God tugged and tugged. And, and, and I think the preacher extended the invitation about 4,500 times. And at camp, they, they sing the second verse of Just As I Am. That's the only verse they sing, that one verse. So over and over and over and over and there was a metal chair in front of me, and I, could, I, I, I think it still has indentions where I was holding so tightly because I did not want to let go and follow Christ. And yet, God worked and worked and worked, and I did. But you know what? It didn't happen overnight. He has led me along the way this entire time. 
we have to have faith that when Christ takes us by the hand, He's going to lead us where He wants us to go. I mean, this man here, he could have said, you know what? And they started walking and said, no, no, no. Either heal me now or I'm out. How often do we want God to do it, do it right now or I'm out? He would have missed out on having his sight if he'd have said no. He would have missed out on, on, on seeing again if he had said, I'm not following. You healed all these other people immediately. That's what I want. We can't look at the lives of other Christians and expect God to do the same thing in our life at the same rate of speed. It's on his timing. And so we see here that, that Jesus Christ, he, he takes him by the hand. This man has faith, and he, he, he is following Christ. You know, Romans tells us, therefore, being justified by faith. You know, over and over again in the Scripture, we find that Jesus would tell someone, as, as you believe, so be it, or along those lines. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. But according as you believe... So be it. And then it was their faith that brought them what God had told them they could have. We, we, we think that God's just going to give us every little thing. But I think a lot of times we'd have a lot more than what we have if we had faith, knowing that God will give it to us if we'll believe. What, what, did, what did the one man say? He said, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Where faith and unbelief collide is where we make the decision whether we're going to follow God or not. And so are we, would, would we be like this man and be willing to say, you know what, I'm not getting what I want right now, but I'm just going to keep following Jesus. And then, then we get up to this next area here. I call this an autonomous following. That, that word autonomous means self-governing, self-ruling, self-determining, independent. The they of this passage came looking for Jesus to touch this man, but this man had to... Stay with God. He had to make the decision to follow God. See, we were talking in Sunday school this morning about, hey, it's a, it's a wonderful thought to be high theologically in, 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 the, in the things of God, to be able to, to speak with authority and, 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 you know, be able to say, well, I read 300 chapters about, you know, but if the Bible says what without charity, I'd rather have a, 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 a good, homespun Christian with charity than to have the highest college-educated Christian that can't love nobody. And what is that? That is a choice that we make. This man here, he had to make the choice to follow God. It is our self, soul liberty to choose to follow God this morning. And we already mentioned he would have never got the healing that was waiting for him had he not followed him out of town. He would have never known what, was going to, what, what he could have had had he not followed him. What is impeding us from following God? What, what, what is stopping us this morning from letting God come in take a hold of us, get in our personal space, and take us with Him? Is it a job? Is it a person? Is it a, uh, uh, an object? 
What, what is it? Because if we look far enough, if our relationship is not right with God, if we will look deep enough, we will find it if we want to find it. You know, the thing is, I was talking to the, I reference Sunday school a lot because we were right along these lines. I was talking to him this morning. I, I know what is right to do. Okay? I, I grew up in a home being taught what was right and what was wrong and the consequences that came along with doing wrong. All right. I said, so it, it is not a, a foreign thing to me to know what is right and then to not do it. I have about a three or four year stretch of knowing what is right and making the exact opposite decision because I knew what was right and I didn't want to do what was right. And that was my choice. But God could not bless me and give me what I think now if I had allowed God, if I had followed God, if I had followed Jesus Christ, if I had done what he wanted me to do when I was 19 instead of doing what I wanted to do, where, how much further I could be in my relationship with Him if I'd have started then instead of saying, no, I'm going to do what I want to do and not follow you. And so just by way of encouragement this morning, if there's something between you and God where He can't get in your personal space, get it out of the way. Because you'll never get what God has for you when it's there. He said, there, there can be no other gods before me. You can't, you can't serve God and mammon for you either uh, love the one and hate the other. You'll despise the one and hold to the other. He says, hey, I can't coexist with something else in your life that is the apple, the, the, the object of your affection. It must be God. And so this man, he had to, on his own, follow God. He had been brought to God, but he had to follow God Himself, There was an optional obedience, so to speak. He could choose. Isn't it wonderful that God allows us to choose? I mean, there, there are some people who will question and say, well, if God really loved, then why is there so much uh, destruction in the world? God doesn't want a bunch of robots. I mean, God could have us toe the line and make us do exactly what... I mean, He's sovereign, but in His sovereignty, He allows us to have our, our, our liberty and our freedom to choose. Why? Because if you make someone love you, that's not love. That's not love. But instead, He woos us, and He blesses us, and He saves us, and He loves us first that we might love Him. And that is what God wants. And so we see there is an optional Obedience. It made me think of Naaman in the book of 2 Kings. If you remember Naaman, uh, the, the captain of the host of Syria, and, and he had leprosy. And so uh, in his house was a small Jewish maiden who said, Is there not a prophet in the land of Israel that, that could heal you? And so Naaman, the king uh, there, sends Naaman back to the king of Israel and says, Heal my servant. And of course the king of Israel gets all upset and says, What am I supposed to do? And so he sends him to... Elisha. Elisha said, is there not a God still? Send him to me. Is there not a man of God still in Israel? Send him over here. We'll handle it. So Naaman comes over. What does he do? He talks to the servant of Elisha. And Elisha doesn't even come out. 
He tells the servant, tell him to go dip himself seven times in the River Jordan. Clear instruction on what to do. I mean, it's right there. What does Naaman do? He gets mad and says, I surely thought that the man would come out and strike the place and do some great thing and would heal the leper. And his servants come to him in their wisdom and say, Father, had he not, if he had asked you to do something great, would you not have done it? If he had asked you to go into battle and slay a thousand men, would you not have done it to get your leprosy? How much more to do something so simple? You know, God doesn't ask us to do hard things. He asks us to do the simple things. And by doing the simple, we build up the ability to do the things that are hard. It's a daily doing of the simple that allows us to do the complex. And then when we get there, we don't even realize it's complex because God gives us the ability to do it. And so what does he do? He goes to the river and dips himself in seven times and says he comes back up and his flesh is as a baby's. Right along those lines. Why? Because he merely obeyed what he had been told. The obedience was optional. But for the outcome to be optimal, he had to obey. To get the best, he had to obey. He could have went back to Syria and told the king, well, I went there and the guy wouldn't come out and speak to me, and so I still got leprosy. When all the time, what he needed was right there in front of him. He just wouldn't take that step and obey to be able to catch it, to be able to grasp it, to be able to have it. I mean, I, I think about, in my life, the, the times when I obeyed God and got exactly what I wanted. I mean, I, I'll, I'll share something personal with y'all this morning. Growing up, I mean, I was always good looking, okay? And so, it's just between us, okay? No. Growing up, I, when I got to a certain age, I wanted to get married. I did. And yet, I could not find who God had for me. Well, duh, I was going contrary to God. Why would God give me what's best for me when I'm not going to use it for Him? I mean, honestly. And so, after God worked in my heart and brought me low and humbled me and brought me to where he could now do in my life what he wanted to do in my life, guess what I found? My wife. Shocker. I show up at camp, not looking, I'm just looking to get close to God now because that's what I want to do. And guess what God did? Introduced me to a girl that was just as desperate as I was <laughs> to find a husband. But guess where, guess where she was? where God wanted her to be. How about that? Two people, where God wants them to be, finding one another. That should be in the Bible. It is. People doing what God wants them to do, finding what God has for them. This man went with God. He obeyed. Guess what he got? The best outcome. What's the best outcome for a blind man? Sight. Sight. And this story, this accounting, it's not a story, it's an accounting of a true event. He gets down there, and what happens? Jesus says, he, 
it's so, it's so funny to me because Jesus gets up in his face. I mean, you think about it. What's one of the worst things you can do to somebody? Spit in their eye, right? Uh, I mean, spit on. I mean, that's highly offensive. And yet, what did Jesus do? He spit on him in his eyeballs. <laughs> I, I think about that. I thought, why? I really, I thought, why? And, and, and God said, because that's what I wanted to do. You know, we can't question God's methods. That's the way he chose to do it. Now, had it been up to me, I would have chosen a different path to meet my wife or, or, to, or to get here. Or, or, but it wasn't my choice. It was the way God laid out, and I just had to obey. So can you imagine that man standing there, and he feels Jesus right, I mean, right here. You ever had somebody that's talking to you, and they get like, they want to get like right here? How are you doing today? I mean, like, oh, <laughs> like, Sharon and I went for a walk last night. We're walking down. We walked down West Chicago to Merriman and back. That's three miles. And uh, so we, we walked there. There and back, it's a total of three miles. And uh, we're walking along, and we're just walking, talking, and, and having a good time. It was nice after the rain, cooled down a little bit. And all of a sudden, this man yells. Now, if you know me, I'm suspicious. <laughs> Brother Tom's laughing. I, I, I still have a mentality about me that people are out to do me harm, and therefore, I'm always in protector mode. And so he, this man, he, something about pizza. So I'm somewhat caught in a trap because I love pizza, but he's... <laughs> He's making me nervous. And uh, you asked my wife. We, we had a conversation about two other men down the road that made me nervous. And uh, so he comes over, and he wants to talk. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm going to walk, man. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm working it out. And he wants to get up, and he keeps getting closer, which makes me keep going backwards. Because he had a leash, and it wasn't a dog. It was like a mop head on this leash. And the closer he got, the closer it got to me. And I didn't like that. And so for him, my personal space was extended out like 40 foot and he's coming in. And so it was like we were dancing. He, he keeps walking. I, I'm moving around. I'm moving around. And, and he keeps getting closer and closer. And, and all I wanted to do was just get away and finish my walk. And all he wanted to do was talk because no one else would talk to him, I guess. And my wife was very gracious, and uh, I kept inching further and further away. And I figured I could outrun her uh, if need be. But he, he kept he, he invading and invading my personal space, and I, I, I just wanted to get away. And I find it fascinating that this man stood still for Jesus to get as close as he had to and then allow him to spit into his eye. It's incredible to me. That, and, and I don't know, in my mind, in my imagination, Jesus Christ uh, pried his eye open. Like I have to give you know, eye drops to the kids sometimes. They have pink eye or whatever. Uh, not right now. We're, we're good. We don't have... Um, but in the past, years ago, 
and, and you got to hold it open. I mean, you got to like pry it open and hold their other hand down and squirt the drops in. And, and I wonder if this man, if Jesus had to pry his, or, you know, hold his eyes open to, all these things go in. I don't know that it makes a difference, but he allowed him to do that. He allowed him to do whatever was necessary. Whatever was necessary. We don't like what's necessary sometimes. We, 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 don't, we don't appreciate what is necessary for God to do in our lives to get us to the point of having the best that he has for us. We say, well, that's, that's not good enough. I'll be honest with you. If it is the best that God has for me, it's more than good enough. Because I've had the best that I can offer myself. And it wasn't good at all. But what God has given me thus far has far outweighed what I could give myself. When I think about what God has done just, just in my life, I mean, you think about Pastor Brown and a young man getting saved and then coming to this church to get married and then 40 years later, he's been pastor here for 28 years. From a, a Catholic boy to salvation to doing whatever God wanted him to do, to going to ministry, to being a pastor, to pastoring this church, and then for some reason calling me to come here and work with him. And now 12 years later, the 1st of August, when I, when I look at that, there is no coincidence, it is all providence, that God's hand worked out parts moving. I mean, I came from Georgia, Sherry came from Ohio, we met in Kentucky. I mean, <laughs> how's that happen? Think about it. What has God done in your life? And where are you now? that God wants to do something else, but you're pushing Him out of your space. When all He wants to do is get close and give you the best. Obedience brings the best that God has to offer. This man obeyed. And, and I, I really, in reading this story, I was just reading it in my normal Bible reading, and God spoke to my heart as I was reading through it, and I thought, you know, he, he spit in his eyes, and then he still couldn't see. He could just see men moving the street. Can I borrow your Bible real quick? So I want to make sure I read it right. Mark chapter 22. Uh, he said, when he spit in his eyes and put his hands upon me, asked me if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. And after that, he, talking about Jesus, put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up, and he was restored and saw every man clearly. Thank you, sir. 
he spit in his eyes, put his hands on him. He said, I, I, don't, I, I see men as trees. And I think perhaps there's some Christians that exist in that area right there. They've let God do a little bit in their life, but not everything. See, he had to allow God to continue on. He allowed Jesus Christ to spit in his eyes and touch him once, but then touch him again. We've allowed Jesus Christ to maybe touch us and save us, but we're holding back from allowing him to touch us again to go further. We've allowed him into our space just enough to get a ticket to heaven, but not far enough to follow him down the road. And so as I, as I looked at this, I thought, you know, in my life, I know that there's more that God wants to do with me. I know that there's more that God wants me to be involved in. There's more that God wants to, to have me by faith step out and do. But I'm going to have to allow God to get further into my space until you can't even tell where I, he begins and I begin because we're one. To get all up in my space and do a work in my life. To get the best that God still has yet for me. I mean, there are dreams and, and, and hopes that I have down the road that God has placed in my heart. But I have to wait on Him to let me see them clearly. But I just have to wait as he continues to touch to bring me to them. So where are you at in your life this morning? Maybe you have some things in your life that you really want God to do, but you're kind of in that they're still fuzzy. Let God continue to work and stay close to make them clear. Maybe you got God all out of your space. You're like me at the Salute to America. Nope, this is mine. No trespassing. Protected by Smith and Wesson. I mean, everything. And God just wants to get in. Maybe you're here this morning, you're not even saved. I, I was reading this morning in the book of Matthew, and it says, uh, Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior this morning, that's you. Lost. So what is that? That is somebody who has not accepted Christ as their Savior. The Bible says He'll quicken us. He'll, he'll bring us back to life. That he'll make our soul alive again and we can then have a relationship with God. And if that's you this morning, we'd love to have somebody talk to you and, and show you how you can now allow God into your space to give you the best that He has for you. But maybe you're just a Christian this morning saying, I, I just don't know. I just don't know if I want what God's got for me. From experience, and, and this is life experience that I'm giving to you from you. So you're, you're not that old. Believe me, I'm old enough to have made mistakes and dumb enough to make them again. What God has is the best. And what God wants to give to you is the best that you could ever have. So we're going to pray, and we're going to open up an invitation. This time of invitation, anybody would like to come forward and talk to God, come to this altar up here, a place you can kneel, talk to God, come to this 
altar right here. If you can't kneel, you can sit and talk to God. But God wants to speak to your heart. God wants to work in your heart. And if you're lost this morning, you say, let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed for a moment. Nobody looking around, just me.